I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. Hey, it's Michelle Grosser here. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast. I am so grateful you guys have decided to spend some time with us today. And you are in for a treat because today we are airing my conversation with Emily McDermott. Emily is the host of the top-rated podcast, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. And she is herself a wife and mom of two energetic boys. And she is an expert in helping women like us declutter our homes, our heads, and our hearts. And heaven knows, after the holidays, we all probably need some decluttering help. So what an awesome way to start 2024. So today I think we're going to approach clutter from a different angle, maybe than how you've heard it before. So Emily's going to teach us about the science behind clutter and how clutter can impact our nervous system. She talks about how clutter impacts our emotional health and our physical health. She shares some scientific studies about how clutter even impacts 
our sleep and our eating patterns and our stress and our anxiety and our focus and our attention and so many things. So I think you guys are going to walk away from this episode, one, with a greater understanding of how much of an impact clutter has on us and why, but then also Emily leaves us with some really practical strategies and handles for decluttering. None of us want you know, to live in cluttered spaces and sometimes the idea of going like full-blown minimalism or like a complete overhaul of everything at once feels really overwhelming in and of itself. So she really teaches us where we can start with decluttering so that we can avoid a lot of that decision fatigue or that overwhelm that keeps us from starting in the first place. So if you are ready to start 2024 feeling like your home and your head and your heart are in order and decluttered, this is the episode for you. Enjoy this conversation with Emily. Emily, welcome to the Calm Mom podcast. So grateful to have you with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to talk about clutter and decluttering today. Um, That is your area of expertise. And I'm so curious and wanting to talk more about its impact on a lot of the things that we talk about here on the show about our stress and our overwhelm and anxiety and all of these different things, because I know they're so impacted by our environment. Um, but I want to explore that further as it relates to clutter. But before we do that, would you just tell us a little bit about you? I know you're also a mom and kind of the work that you're doing. Yeah, of course. So I'm Emily and my husband and I are coming up on 15 years of marriage, which is an exciting milestone. And we have two boys that are seven and five and a half. The half I've learned is very important. <laughs> Put that in there. Critical. Yeah. And so my youngest just started kindergarten. So yay. That's very exciting. And we live outside of Washington, D.C. And I got into this sort of um, by accident, by the fact that we struggled to get pregnant. And because of that infertility journey, I realized I wanted to make that physical and emotional space to conceive and to hopefully have a baby. And we had our oldest via IVF. And then Sean was a surprise. (laughs) Uh, I call him our free baby. And then it was more the decision fatigue, which I know we're going to talk about, which is just like the decisions that were being asked of me. I uh, didn't know how to process them. I was dealing with anger. I had never felt like I was an angry person until I became a mom. And so then it was really like, how do I simplify declutter so that I'm able to be the mom that I want to be? It was sort of a survival strategy, honestly. And now I host a podcast called Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, where I'm helping moms declutter their homes, heads, and hearts. And I do decluttering coaching and also write custom poetry. So if you <laughs> if you Google custom poetry, I'm one of the top search results. So I have been writing poetry since I was little, and that's kind of the other side of the business. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. What's custom poetry? What does that mean? So if you wanted a poem for your husband for your anniversary, I would ask you some questions and then I would write a custom poem for you as a clutter-free gift, so to speak. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I just thank you for sharing parts of your story because I think I, I, I can, and I think all of our listeners can probably relate 
to some parts of that, just in the shift and transition of motherhood and all of the new things that kind of cracks open within us and all the invitations it presents to us to grow Mm -hmm. (laughs) and change. Um, It's just really, really powerful. So I thank you for sharing that. And I can relate and I want to hear more Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to clutter and its impact on our whole selves, right? Mind, body, soul. I did a um, summer of self-love challenge this summer that I hosted. And one of the days, the focus was actually decluttering because I'm like, man, I think we underestimate how much of an impact it has on us and like how much we're actually like, what a beautiful act of self-care to declutter our spaces. And I think people were were kind of shocked is the right word, but they're like, oh man, like just having clean countertops, I just felt so much lighter. Like I just felt like I could walk through my home. And I would love for you to share with us a little bit about that connection and the impact that our physical environment has on our emotional state, our mental state, our spiritual well-being. Yeah, for sure. So people sometimes will think of clutter as just like unused stuff, that it's neutral, but it definitely is not neutral. And there are several studies. And the reason I like to bring up the studies is for two reasons. Number one, so that women I work with aren't like thinking that they're the only one that's stressed out by clutter or it's just something with them. And also when you're trying to get family members on board, especially um, husbands, (laughs) I've noticed at least with my husband, he likes to have like the logic and the reason behind things. So it's helpful to kind of bring in the science behind it uh, when you're having those conversations. And I think the most impactful study or thing that I learned about clutter is that it actually raises your cortisol levels. And I know that you talk a lot about emotional regulation and dysregulation. And one of the studies had couples giving the researchers tours of their home and the women that were describing their homes as cluttered or disorganized or unfinished, they, when they took saliva samples, had higher cortisol stress hormone levels uh, than people that were describing their homes as cozy or comfortable or whatever the case may be. And the other interesting thing is the husbands did not have the same increase in cortisol levels because the researchers thought because women, at least in the United States, are more traditionally responsible for home management, they're more impacted by that. And the women also had harder transitions from work to home, higher depressed mood, and more issues as far as like in their marriage and the relationship. So I always go to moms with that because it's like, not only is it impacting your stress, it's impacting potentially your marriage. It's impacting how you are showing up when you come home. If you want to stay in your car a couple minutes longer, (laughs) and not go into the house, like it's impacting how you're showing up as a wife and a mom. So that's one of the areas that is huge as far as how it's affecting our well-being is that it's raising our stress and anxiety levels. Well, it's so fascinating, even the difference among the genders. (laughs) The clutter. That's so fascinating and explains so much and maybe can give us some perspective and some patience as we start this journey. Um, For For women listening who want to make this more a part of just their way of being and simplify Mm -hmm. and declutter, I kind of wonder if we could start there and how you coach women to get their families 
on board or their husbands on board? Is this mm-hmm. a thing of like, we model it and we take care of our own spaces first? Or do we like make everyone a list and like force them to <laughs> throw stuff away? Or like, what's the best way to go about it? Yes, the forcing people to throw things away, I found, does not help. <laughs> but there's a couple things. Obviously, yes, you do want to start with your own things first. And I recommend because decluttering is decision making. You are having to flex those decision making muscles. So you want to start in the most unsentimental, unemotional places possible. I actually recommend your car. And that's funny because people think, well, car is not in my house. And yes, that's true, but it's a small contained space mostly garbage or things that need to be taken back to their homes. So you're not having to make these agonizing decisions. And then when it's done, as you were speaking to when you were doing your challenge and having those clear countertops, you feel like you can breathe. So it's like a quick win. Also your bathrooms because of expired medication or you know makeup, you don't remember when you bought it those things away. And then you're able to start moving into the areas that might be a little bit more difficult as you do some of those easier things. And modeling, definitely. And also having a discussion with your spouse and saying, hey, I've realized that I feel very stressed out in our home. And that when I'm able to do decluttering, even this little bit, I'm feeling so much better. Here's some of the science behind it, if you need to, you know, refer to that but just saying it's really impacting my stress and anxiety levels. So I'm going to start having a donation pickup every Friday. If there is anything that you want to contribute, you know, feel free. And also talking about how to discuss it with your kids and having it, you know, for them to get on board, like, Hey, we know that most of the times when we go to target, we're kind of going down the toy aisle and seeing what's there but we're trying to really simplify and kind of make things a little bit easier. So we're not always like tripping over our toys in our room. And wouldn't it be cool if we had all this space to run around and, you know, depending on their age, really kind of go to what their values are. And maybe they have a friend next door that's a little younger, Well, we can pass down our clothes to, to her when we're done. And just figuring out the value systems of your kids and your spouse, and then being able to speak to that after you've modeled it and kind of got your momentum by starting in those easier areas. So that's what I would recommend. Mm, That's great. I noticed um, my girls are five and a half or five and six and a half now. Um, (laughs) And they've had this room like the toy room that for the last, I don't know, three, four years is just like a Barbie cesspool of small plastic pieces. And it stresses me out. And I've noticed that when it gets to a certain level of chaos, they don't even go in there. Yeah. And then when I, when we go through it, or like sometimes when they're younger, especially, I would just go through it with a garbage bag at night and they wouldn't even notice the stuff missing. Mm-hmm. But in the morning, there'd be like a third of the stuff. And then they would actually go in there and play. And I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how that affects, like how clutter affects our children or just the overwhelm and like the, yeah. the, the amount of toys and things they have access to? Like, how does that affect their little brains and development? Yes, (laughs) Yes, for sure. So adults and children, we see clutter as visual stimulus overwhelm. Okay. And even I wanted to mention for moms, we see it as undone tasks. So if you go into the kitchen and there's 
the permission slip that needs signed and the glass that needs to be put away and the backpack that's open, you know, on the table, you're looking at that as these are things I need to do. And that's why it ends up being so overwhelming. But for children, as their brains are developing, and I'm not a scientist, but I do know that their brains are developing until they're, I think, in their early 20s. And so they're very tactile, especially when they're young. They are exploring the world through their senses. And so sensory overload for them means that when it comes to toys or their, you know, clothing, really anything, they do what I call as the dump and go, which is that they pick up whatever the bin is, they dump it out, they like look at it, and then they go to the next thing and they dump it out and go. And so as parents, we go, oh no, my kid is bored. They don't play with anything. They obviously need to have more toys so that they aren't bored anymore. So then we go buy them more toys. They're not bored. They're overwhelmed by the amount of stuff. And there's a variety of ways that you can work with kids to do this. Yes, when they're super young, you go what I call is under the cover of darkness. (laughs) And you go in there and they're not going to notice. And it's okay that you're not involving them in those decisions you can make those decisions. But when they get to a certain age, you want to start modeling and also involving them. So what we do in my house and what I recommend for the moms I work with is that you use the concept of artificial boundaries. Because most of our homes are so large, they can fit a lot of stuff, but we don't want our homes just to be containers of stuff. We want it to be where we're living, where we're able to thrive. And so you need to have an artificial boundary around, let's say, the Barbies, okay? You pick whatever that is, and you can decide as the mom that you want it to be a certain size bin or container. You don't need to go to container store and get a brand new bin. Just use what you have, and you're going to work with your kids, and you go, we are going to pick the Barbies that we love, okay? I did this with my son yesterday. I said, we're going to play a game. It's called Love like, maybe, no. (laughs) So we're going to start with what you love. Let's put all the Barbies in there that we love, all the accessories we love. Okay. This goes in that little container and then, okay, now let's see how much room's left. Oh, okay. We still have a little room. Let's put with what they like. And then they're actually making the decisions based upon that boundary and whatever is excess, you have a choice. You can either declutter or you can use what I call as an out of sight, out of mind bin which is you're able to put it out of sight, out of mind, put a date on it, put a reminder in your phone. And after that 30, 60 days, if no one's missing anything, then you can go ahead and declutter it. So that's how I would approach it. Because otherwise, when we don't put a boundary on something, it they're just going to do the dump and go. And then, you know, it makes it really hard to have them play because it's just too overwhelming for them. I hope that that was helpful. (laughs) It was super helpful. I love that. And it's interesting because I've noticed I've taken some of the Barbie stuff, like the bigger things, like they had a van or something. And I just put it in the garage one day because I'm like, I'm so sick of tripping over this. Mm -hmm. And they never missed it, but it's still in my garage. So I need to take that extra stuff to like put a reminder (laughs) to actually move it out of the house. I'm curious. Do you have a really great BS detector? Maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. 
You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns. And they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. I wonder too if, I think you hit on something that's super interesting to me is this like fear that I think is put on us, especially in Western culture, that our kids are going to be bored if they don't have a bunch of stuff. (laughs) And I would love for you to speak on the value maybe of, boredom that we don't necessarily see at face value and then some of the ways in which you encourage your boys to play or interact or learn that don't involve tons of plastic toys you know (laughs) (laughs) yes for sure uh i would say that recognizing the importance of margin just as a general concept and so well two things margin and capacity Okay. So let's talk about margin first. Margin can be the physical space that you have, the physical space between things. So you don't want toys smushed into a bin or that they're not kind of having that toy store display mentality so that there's space in between. But also in the kids' schedules, we're so used to kind of overscheduling and having all the extracurriculars and everything and giving that space just to kind of let them be and explore with that limited number of toys or having more of like the arts and crafts, which are kind of like consumables, you know? And so that really allows them to be able to process the day that they've had, if they've been in school and and so forth, and then be able to not feel like they're just being taken, you know, one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And then we wonder why our kids melt down. And so margin is one and then also capacity. So we look at usually capacity is how much something can hold. And yes, our homes can hold a certain amount. Our calendars can hold a certain amount. But what are we actually able to realistically manage? Now that can go for us as adults, as moms. What can I manage? But also our kids. What can our kids realistically manage when it comes to their stuff, when it comes to their activities? And so that really helps as far as like how we structure our days. And also I have realized with my boys, they are a hundred percent in a Lego phase. So it's a different kind of plastic, (laughs) but that's the main thing that they play with. And so what we normally do is that I have something called like the Lego lab upstairs. It's a contained area where they're able to build and kind of do everything with their creations but the rest of the home is able to stay tidy. And also 
when it's their birthdays, I don't, uh, we don't just say, okay, just bring a gift or whatever. We did something called a fiver where the classmates would bring $5 gift cards or $5. And then it was all going towards a Lego set, which is something that he really wanted. So you're able to reduce the amount of clutter coming in, you know, for birthdays and Christmas and so forth, because you're able to look at more of those open-ended toys, but then pay attention to what your kids actually play with and observe it. And when they're not playing with the thing you wish they would play with, like the educational, quote unquote, educational toys, well, we have to hold on to that because it's educational. No, actually observe what they're playing with and then be willing to let things go based upon that. Mm, okay, so 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 much good. I know. I'm sorry, I got I get so excited, Michelle. I get so excited. <laughs> it's so helpful too. It's like making me think and it's so practical. Okay, so I wanna ask you a lot of things, but I wanna ask you this. So I think I love your idea of starting with the car, even for us as we clutter and like going through our bathrooms and stuff that's just expired. That's easy to let go of. But I assume you run into clients who are like, but I'm just a sentimental person or like I have, you know, it's a hard, it's hard for me to decide or let go of stuff or this stuff makes me feel safe or there's memories tied to it or whatever. What are some ways that we can kind of run through? Maybe it's like a mental checklist or just mm-hmm. some ways that we can kind of discern, like, do I actually need this when it feels yeah. difficult to let go of stuff? Yes, I have a couple, I guess you would call them unorthodox questions <laughs> that, are, that are not, you know, does it spark joy? Um, yeah. Which I don't mind that question. Marie Kondo seems lovely, but I feel like that's not super practical for for our lives. And I would say when it comes to sentimental things, the one question that I would ask is, uh, and this actually came from the minimalists, not from me, but if this item were to spontaneously combust, how would I feel? And the reason is a lot of times for sentimental things, sometimes we're holding on to it out of guilt because it's like something from a family member or family heirloom or something. And, or we just kind of don't know what to do with it, but it's not really bringing value to our lives and it's just kind of sitting there. And so if you would be upset that such thing would be combusted, (laughs) then you want to be able to ask yourself then, well, is it the physical thing that is necessary for me to have, or is it the memory and the story that's important to me? And if it's the memory and the story, being able to ask yourself then, if I took a picture of this and then had a story to go with it, because in Google Photos or whatever, you can write a note. And so you can have, okay, well, this was given to me by so-and-so or, oh, I remember when I got this from such and such. And then being able to say, okay, that's enough. And being able to share those stories with your kids, because ultimately, This is another question, you know, if something were to happen to us today, how would we feel that our kids and our loved ones have to go through our stuff? Do they know what's important to us? Do they understand why we're holding on to certain things? Would it be a burden to them to have to go some through some of these things? And as we're able to kind of put things in a whole different light, when we realize that, okay, the things that actually are important to me, I need to be able to share those stories with others. And if I feel like if it were to be removed immediately, I would be relieved. Well, then I need to take steps because that is a mental, that's mental clutter. That's a mental burden. So how do we work to let go? 
it is pretty messy, but I think if you're able to kind of progress through some of these kind of unorthodox ways of thinking, you're realizing, wow, this is actually a burden on me and my family members and it's not serving us. And so you can take steps to preserve the memory, but then let the physical item go. Yeah. And I'm sure that as you lean into whatever discomfort that brings and like then start realizing, oh, wow, like I did it and I survived and it actually feels better here. Like you gain momentum, right? Yes. Yeah. So I kind of want to, it's kind of similar, but a little different. I want your take on it. So I think there's one thing to release these things that we think we have this, this tie to, but I think a lot of us are also patterned and conditioned. And there's some feelings that come along with bringing new stuff in. It's like those memes that you see, like you go to target to buy one thing, right. And you spend like 400 bucks and come home with the whole trunk full. What are some ways that we can kind of interrupt those patterns and be more intentional about what we're also bringing into our space. Yeah, I think part of it is recognizing the impact of stuff on us. And we're conditioned to see consumption as this normal part of life. And also the ease in which we are able to consume has changed so much, even in just a couple generations, as far as like how quick how quickly we can get things and how quickly we can get them into our house. And I think that the first thing is recognizing that clutter and excess stuff is impacting our health and impacting our well-being. And so that makes us more mindful about what we're bringing in, but also recognizing the connection between stuff and decisions and decision fatigue. So the more stuff we have, the more choices we have between those things and the more decisions we have to make. And I do not know anyone that wants to complicate their lives and to have more decisions. And so if you're seeing the excess stuff as, okay, this isn't a need. This isn't something I absolutely need. It's a want. So is it making my life simpler or is it making my life more complicated because it is an extra decision that I'm going to have to make? So I think that, and then also that the concept of capacity that we spoke about, if I'm bringing this thing in, will I be able to take another thing out? Is it replacing something, that kind of one in, one out mentality? Or if I'm bringing it in, do I have the capacity to actually manage that in addition to everything else? So it's just being mind, more mindful as far as asking ourselves some questions before we're just throwing stuff in our physical or online cart <laughs> to be yeah. delivered, you know, the next day or whatever. Yeah, that's so good. So I kind of want to end going back to something that you spoke about at the beginning, which is anger. Mm -hmm. And I think, I know, especially in coaching the women that I coach, anger is one of the most misunderstood and un recognize maybe emotions that we experience as moms. And there's so many things tied to that. I think a lot of us are in denial about the anger that we experience. Um, I also think that anger itself is just so mismanaged, right? It either comes out as like, we're just angry and we project it on everyone else, or we're just so overwhelmed and we hold it all in and we suppress all of it, neither of which are particularly healthy. Um, so I know for myself that when things are cluttered and it feels like there's stuff everywhere like 
I trip over something and I'm just like, I want to lose my mind, right? Like we've all had that experience. So can you talk to us a little bit about how anger and some of these emotions of just like the frustration and the overwhelm are tied to our physical environment and just the stuff and the amount of clutter and how that, how that relates? Yes. And I can speak um, specifically to what my experience has been, which is I didn't know about this concept of being a highly sensitive person until recently. And I am impacted by noise. And by the way, I have two very loud boys. <laughs> I'm impacted by caffeine. I'm impacted by the physical things around me. And so how that usually was manifesting for me was feeling like it was a lack of being able to control the things that were triggering me. And it really was the fight or flight. So sometimes it was the fight where I was trying to physically control my children. And that was a major problem. And I, you know, now I know that I need to get someplace where I do not have any of the stimulation. And it's interesting though. And I know, yeah, I know. How do we do that? (laughs) Do you like create Um, a space for it or do you go sit in your car? Like, how do you? I am lucky. Yeah. I'm lucky that my husband works from home. And so if it, if I mean, if he's not on a call or something, I'll just be like, Hey, you know, I need to. And sometimes I'll go into my room. My kids are old enough that like the safety issue is not so they're not like babies, but go into my room, go into the closet and literally take my deep breaths. And, um, sometimes though, in different seasons of my motherhood, that wasn't possible. And so it would have to just be in the bathroom or I would need to just explain to my kids like, Hey, I need to be able to take some deep breaths and to model that by, you know, putting one hand on my heart and one hand on my stomach and just being able to do that in front of them to show them that I was trying to regulate myself. Now, I will say that the fact that I've been able to simplify my environment and simplify my decisions has helped me a lot with the anger and the triggering um, situations that I would find myself in. It's not fail-proof because even if I had an immaculate home, my kids would still be loud (laughs) and would be, you know, mommy, I need this, mommy, you know, we're so used to that. And I just would say that in as much as you're able to do what you can to simplify your environment and then be able to figure out some way to remove yourself even for a couple of minutes from the stimulation as best you can and model what you're doing for your kids. Because I have told them, um, I almost had, I think it was almost a panic attack. I'm not really sure, but it was so much stimulation that I felt kind of dizzy. And I actually had to sit down and almost lay down. And the kids saw that I wasn't doing it to scare them, but I want them to see sometimes mommy gets very overwhelmed by what's going on. And so we're gonna breathe and then she's okay. But it's important for them to see healthy regulation of emotions. So I don't like running away and I'm not doing that as much. But I feel like that's um, the normal reaction. We don't want to be having these huge emotions around our kids. And if we feel like I can't calm down in this overwhelming environment, I feel like you're the expert on this, Michelle. (laughs) 
So just do the best you can to kind of get into a space where you can spend a minute, if not more, just kind of calming yourself down. Yes. I love all of that. And I love even just like retreating to your closet. <laughs> like I do that too. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to put headphones on and I'm just going to mm-hmm. lay on the floor in the dark. <laughs> no, like it's do- the door locked for a few minutes. But otherwise I'm just going to lose it. And it's not going to be good for mm-hmm. anyone. Um, and I love that you just brought up being highly sensitive or learning about that because that's something I'm really on a journey of learning more about too. And I've had a few interviews with, with people who are experts in that. And I think the, I think the studies are one in 10 of us have high sensitivity. So it's so much more common than we think it is. I know one of my daughters, I definitely see that in her and just understanding more about it. Um, I, the more I learn about it, I think I, I also tend to be highly sensitive and it's why there's times when I come home and my husband has like ESPN blaring and the bright lights going on and all the blinds up and all this stuff. And I'm just like, my body just wants to shut down. Right. And I'm just like going around the house, like turning everything off and dimming all the lights. And it's just a different threshold. And there's also so many superpowers that come with high sensitivity, right? We can, we can have such deeper compassion for people and we just notice things that others don't. We process things differently than others do. Um, but just learning to to protect, I guess, ourselves in that from from overwhelm. So it's so important because I don't know if there's a more stimulating calling than motherhood. Than motherhood. <laughs> there lot. isn't. I'm pretty it's sure. <laughs> no. Oh, so that's so just so encouraging. So thank you for sharing that. Um, this has been so good. Can you let everyone? I know that yeah. women listening are like, I need more. I mean, need more of this. <laughs> I think we all do, and it's so counterculture, and that's what I love about. We need, we need guides and we need resources and we need help because it's our soul longs for simplicity, um, but it's so counterculture to everything everywhere. Um, so I love that you're doing this work in this space. So let everyone know where they can yeah. find you and what you're offering. Sure. Well, the best way to find me is my podcast, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. So wherever you're listening here to Michelle, you can probably find me. And I have a Facebook group, free Facebook group, where we do every other week do decluttering challenges, 15 minutes a day for five days. And then I give away like free coaching and Starbucks gift cards and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. And we have a lot of moms over there that are changing their lives 15 minutes at a time. So it's really great. And I'd love for your listeners to come join us there. Is the Facebook group by the same name, Moms Overcoming All? is called decluttering tips and support for overwhelmed moms so okay. we'll put that in the show notes i think I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> and I, i'm gonna join because that sounds right up my alley <laughs> well thank you thank you for being with us we'll put all of that in the show notes for you guys um so you can check out her podcast and her website and and um facebook group too but uh grateful for the work that you're doing as, as mamas need you so thank you <laughs> thanks for being with us today yeah thanks so much for having me, michelle this is great If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, Your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, 
DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Oh,